0: Latina en Mid-Hudson Valley y The Catskills, información y entretenimiento en español. La Voz en breve, lunes a las 7 de la tarde en Radio Catskill. Namaste, and welcome to Bodhi Talk, where the intention is to inform, inspire, and empower each of us to wake up to who we really are. Not human beings having a spiritual experience, but spiritual beings having a human experience. My name is Doug Bell, and like you, the pandemic experience has led me to endure many changes in lifestyle and perspective. Uh, these have been very interesting times. It's like that old Chinese curse. Uh, may you live in interesting times. And we certainly are in those interesting times. And it's, it's been a, a great challenge. The last several months have put all of us through a great deal of changes. And, uh, for many of us, there's been a time of introspection and reflection. And, um, that is where I'm coming from now, having gone through these months of not doing Bodhi uh, Talk, except for those little intervals uh, during All Things Considered where Jason uh, Jason Dolan and I would talk about some of these uh, Bodhi Talk concepts. But now we're uh, moving for the first time on a non-archived airing of Bodhi Talk uh, since the COVID-19 pandemic forced the closing uh, to at least the volunteers of the WJFF studios. And now that Bodhi Talk is airing at 6 every Saturday morning instead of Thursday afternoons, I imagine my listeners uh, consist of not only those of you who were able to listen on a weekday, uh, but those uh, early risers, assuming that those Thursday afternoon listeners are uh, also tuning in now. Uh, but now we have those early risers tuning in uh, on these Saturday morning sessions, so welcome to all of you. Now, regarding the pandemic experience, um, today I'd like to share my observations about the the triple components of the pandemic and how we may reflect upon practical guidelines that may awaken us, each of us, to another way of relating with ourselves and with each other. Now, when I talk about the triple level of the pandemic i'm uh, I'm sort of uh uh making a bit of a leap here perhaps uh, but i certainly the covid nineteen issue um, that is in itself of uh, uh a very serious pandemic affecting all of us worldwide and uh, each of us have had our own variation of the experience, uh, the isolation or or not, uh, or the the trials and tribulations of dealing with that. But along with the pandemic, and I I, I would say that it's a reflection of how we have been thrust into a very unusual state of existence in our society, that we've had the opportunity, again, this reflection and... uh, evaluating what it is that's going on on a deeper level um the the issue of institutional racism which uh, i'm not alone in suggesting that this has uh, arisen as yet another pandemic on a different level it's it's not like an actual virus but it, it is a kind of a complex situation which uh, we can go into a little bit more uh, as we move along here but uh the third element of the pandemic is climate change and this again is something that we've been dealing with for quite some time but with all that's happening now in the midst of this pandemic we're sort of thrust into looking at the extreme nature of what this pandemic is presenting to our whole world culture. I mean, there's all kinds of changes in weather pattern and all of that. But uh, So getting back to the, the COVID-19 uh, issues, uh, again, there's this very real virus, and uh, it had begun in Wuhan, China, and it has just affected each and every one of us on the planet in one way or another. Um uh, And unfortunately, it has become politicized. Uh, But the manner in which we are uh, being forced to deal with that, or some of us are stubbornly not allowing uh, the limitations to be imposed upon us, but that's, again, it's a matter of our choice. But um, for me, the experience of going through this pandemic where uh, One aspect of my own, like my personal journey here uh, was deeply affected here. I had just been in the process of looking at how I was going to establish uh, a website and begin presenting my ideas uh, of spiritual awakening Along with the show um, that we're doing here now, this Bodhi talk, and again, I would remind the listeners if you're not already aware that the the term Bodhi is coming from the Sanskrit Buddha, which has to do with awakening. Like the, uh, it's the root of the the term Buddha, which is actually not necessarily uh, the name of a person, but uh, the the quality of what happens when one has awakened from the dream. And at some point I'll get more deeply into that in, uh, in a later Bodhi talk, but just to come from an understanding that Bodhi means awakening. And as I said in that initial statement, we uh, we intend to, in this series of discussions, Uh, dwell on the whole process of waking up to our spiritual nature, having a human experience, and to realize that this is something that each of us shares. It's sort of, I always use the metaphor of an ocean, like we're all drops within this one ocean, and we're all made up of the same stuff, essentially. And we all are sort of interrelated and dependent upon each other, and this is something that we need to wake up to and back to the covid-19 pandemic uh what i find fascinating is how as a planet we're reckoning with the reality of this need to uh be very mindful of how we relate with each other and how we can avoid spreading the the virus and um and and like i say for me that included a, a process of uh well my my daughter and her boyfriend who work in the restaurant business in brooklyn had to uh having no jobs because it was all shut down uh they actually moved in with us and my daughter brought her her dog and her cat and for 4 months uh we were living together in our home here in uh up in Bethany in Honesdale. So uh, that for me uh, led to an awakening. Like it was um, upsetting my comfort zone to have my daughter, who is an excellent, like she's been a general manager of restaurants and she's also, uh, well, she's got a master's in art therapy and she's very, very skilled in understanding the workings of the human mind and, and uh, managing people. Um and when it came though for her to uh, live in our home, she found a lot of things that were not up to her standards and uh, this is along with our having uh chosen to bring a puppy into our house just as the pandemic was beginning beginning, and so that was adding a whole other stress level, attending to the needs of a puppy and uh, the complexities of that, along with uh, my daughter being there with her boyfriend and her dog and cat. And, um, I was reaching a kind of a saturation point of being managed by my daughter. And I I found that, uh, well, there was this straw that broke the camel's back kind of experience. And I had a very, uh, very strong, and I would say negative reaction to her and what was going on. And, that made me reflect on how I needed to do work on myself uh, uh, to address how uh, when I'm faced with uh, a very intense challenge, I, I resort to the very thing that I have been uh, advising others to avoid the the reaction as if another person is an enemy. I I was stepping into the battleground. And again, I'll develop that whole concept more so in a later uh, Bodhi talk, uh, the classroom versus the battleground. But for now, I just wanted to point out that this really uh, was something that I... uh, I don't know that I could say that I cherish that, but I, I deeply appreciated the lesson that I was being presented there. And again, this is in line with what it is that I consider necessary and very important that we all begin to, or continue perhaps for many of us, to to look at what it is that's going on around us and recognize that the way that we have been sort of program to relate to the world around us has not really been working that well and that there is another way and so for me that that particular moment uh, triggered a process of looking within myself as to how I I needed to step out of that comfort zone and just going on automatic pilot and realizing that I needed to, uh, first of all, be very mindful of how I'm taking care of myself because I, I look back and saw that I was pretty uh, overextended, not sleeping well and not getting the exercise and the uh, the time for mindfulness uh, activities uh, because of the busyness of the routine. And that just what made for a perfect storm of um, having this... Uh, like, a, like a bit of a rude awakening to how I needed to do some work on myself. But uh, then uh, we're looking at also the institutional racism, and, and I realize this is something that uh, we may have as a culture uh, a real challenge to appreciate the the complexity of the big picture of what institutional racism is really all about and if we just look at the surface on the uh, the basic simple facts of uh, situations um, we draw conclusions that uh, don't factor in the the reality of what it is that has happened to African-Americans who were brought into this country through slavery and have always maintained since then, in spite of the gains made in the civil rights movement and all of that, there's this underlying current of you are not part of the whole society and you don't somehow deserve to be treated as an equal. And so that's something that, um, although it is very tumultuous to go through all of the demonstrations, the Black Lives Matter programs that are, uh, you know, there's a lot of wrongdoing and rightdoing in this process um, and to recognize that uh, violence is never an acceptable way to promote change. Um, but at the same time we need to understand that those who are provoked into violence need to be understood as having so much frustration and exasperation at how things continue to happen and they just uh, i'm not justifying it but i can understand how the violent reactivity that has arisen takes place but again that's something that we need as a culture to to look at very deeply and that's the general theme looking deeply and the other element of climate change This has been uh, roiling for decades now. Scientists are telling us that we need to wake up to what it is that we're doing to this planet. This is our home, and we need to love our home. We need to treat it uh, with the kind of respect and care and sensitivity that we would treat our, our own home and our family, our children, and all humanity. And when we look at what's happening here, we see the result of uh, a failure to take the appropriate measures that were uh, being presented uh, for decades now. And also in the midst of all of this, uh, this is in addition to the the tri-level pandemic that I'm speaking of, uh, we're also facing what may be the most divisive polarizing political drama any of us has ever witnessed. And this is something, uh, again, I've been uh, uh, sort of cautioned not to get into a political discussion here. Uh, but I, I do uh, want to focus on the spiritual nature that we all share. And the polarization is really about, uh, like in the political situation, both sides are Demonstrating the battleground mindset attack, justifying counterattack, and enemy and uh, friend, and uh, it's just uh, not working well. And so we just need to begin chipping away at that. Um, so, this call to wake up has really never been so profound. We're in the midst of, like I say, these three pandemics and a political situation that many are suggesting that this particular election is the most important and most uh well, uh the results of the uh election may shape the uh, the quality of uh our whole society and worldwide. Um, So over the weeks ahead, I will offer practical guidelines intended to assist you, the listener, in ways of gently letting go of attitudes, habits, and concepts that interfere with your capacity to love yourself and your capacity to love others. And this is really the key. This is really all about finding the, the presence of love to guide us and letting go of this fear-dominating ego thought system uh, that has so uh, contaminated our culture. And it does require work. And I always point out that waking up is hard to do. So I trust that much of what I will present will be familiar to you or at least ring true with principles of life's lessons that... Uh, you have learned. And like, so I don't intend to uh, sit here and uh, say I have all the answers and this is the, the only way. Uh, what I would say, though, is that the essence of the way out of this mess is about love and understanding the presence of love and the oneness that we all share and letting go of this divisiveness. So uh, I do find it helpful to engage in the process of looking deeply at all the complexities of our life. And I often uh, think of Socrates, who at the end of his life, as he had been accused of uh, sort of defiling the moral standards of the youth of Athens, uh, and yet all he was doing was asking them to question, uh, question everything. And the Athenian fathers didn't like that because it was upsetting their apple cart of the, what they were so comfortable with. And so they, they brought him to trial and they convicted him as guilty of doing uh, these horrible things. And they said, you have a choice, Socrates. You can go off into exile and stop doing what you're doing or you may die. Drink this hemlock. And he spoke a bit about how he didn't love his life so much that he could uh, continue till his death to not speak truth. And so he also said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And he said then that I will drink your hemlock, and uh, then it was his student Plato who uh, wrote down that story and uh, uh, Socrates himself never wrote down his thoughts and ideas, but Plato was quite uh, uh, quite articulate and uh, very uh, he produced volumes of material republicum among them but cultivating this mindfulness is really what the whole process is all about and this is the essential skill that uh, these Bodhi Talks are intended to help you cultivate and along my journey, uh, now I'm a psychotherapist uh, and I was raised in a family where my father was a Methodist minister and I was uh, given the freedom to really question even the concept of God, which, oddly, at the age of 10, I rejected. Uh, but I was always searching for the answer to those age-old questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? And so my journey led me to have a kind of flow of rather extraordinary teachers. Within my family, my father was really quite an extraordinary teacher and an influence in in my life in deep ways, and and then many friends and all kinds of academic settings and travels all over North America, uh, hitchhiking often across country, and then my one big trip overland from, uh, well, from Turkey to Kathmandu, and to just look at uh, how all of these experiences, uh, the different jobs I've had, and all these travels, and the students I've had. In, well, I, I teach yoga meditation, uh, and but I also, as a psychotherapist, have many clients, and and I've learned so much from them as I've uh, walked along with them this journey. And so I intend to incorporate stories that I've either experienced or that I've observed. Uh, Uh, in other ways like news events and uh, uh, novels and movies. I intend to incorporate all of that. So I'd like you to uh, join me on this journey together. And the whole intention is that we wake up to the oneness that we share. And this is a theme that I will be getting back to, um, the underlying theme of becoming mindful uh, and looking, looking deeply at what's going on. But also, uh, like next week, I'm going to be talking about holistic uh, concepts as a, as a very fundament, fundamental uh, way of living our lives, uh, focusing on the, the complexity of who we are as mind, body, heart, and soul. And... So that's something that I'll review, that very foundation of well-being. And so the the whole process of mindfulness, as I say, is so fundamental, and what I would like to do, uh, if you're not familiar with the format of the show, uh, I always end with a exercise that I call Namaste Booster. And again, I just want to clarify the the term Namaste. Um, It has (laughs) taken on a lot of uh, uh, understandings, but it was intended to be about a greeting that implies that the divinity within me greets the divinity within you. So this Namaste Booster, as you hear Tony Scott playing Zen meditation in the background, I'd like you to just become present. Be aware of where you are in time and space. And you may be driving, so I'd like you to understand that even if you are doing something that requires skill and attention outwardly, that you can still do this mindfulness practice. Just, for example, I always talk about not doing the white knuckling uh on the steering wheel. uh, Just to have only as much tension as you need. And if you can actually just close your eyes and just find a place to be still and quiet, that's wonderful too. And focusing on your breathing, just notice that gentle rhythmic flow in and out of the rhythmic quality of your diaphragm, flexing with the inhalation, pushing the belly out, and then relaxing as you exhale, Sort of pushing the breath out of your lungs and just watching that rhythmic flow of your breath and just being aware of where there is tension that may not be necessary and just sort of scan your body from head to toe letting go of any tightness you feel and letting go also of any worrisome concerns about the past or the future And then moving into a perspective of what we call witnessing, where you're just observing without evaluating. Is good, bad, right, wrong supposed to be one way or another? And just being present with what is, as it is. You may notice a sensation in your body. Just be aware of it and then return your attention to your breath. Or maybe it's a, a thought, something, what are you gonna have for breakfast? Or what chores do you have to do today? Or maybe a memory of something that very unpleasant that may be happening, uh, maybe in the political world or in your home or work. And be present with that memory. And then return your attention to the flow of your breath. Just allowing this witnessing to sort of flow. Maybe you have a, like a daydream or a fantasy that comes up. Just be aware of that. Always returning your attention to that rhythmic flow of your breath. And just allowing that to keep you in this present moment. And then allow your awareness to spread throughout your body where you are again in time and space. Connecting with the whole oneness of the world that you live in. Begin moving fingers, toes and taking a few deep breaths to bring yourself back into that state of alertness. And I'd encourage you to practice this exercise. We only spent a few minutes this morning, but as you find the time, morning is good because it sort of sets the tone for the day. If you can spend maybe even 10 minutes or 15, 20 minutes to do this kind of sitting quietly, watching your breath. And maybe at the end of the day, before retiring to sleep, spending again a little time to just reflect on how your day went and to just watch this process and to practice this little by little, bringing it into a way of becoming more mindful about everything that you do and say. So I'd like to thank Jay Merrill for creating the Bodhi Talk theme music. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen and to become a part of the WJFF community. And remember, as always, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Namaste. This week, OTM examines the notion of manufactured reality, from the encroachment of QAnon into the wellness world. Where we go one, we go all, which is very much in alignment with the belief system within yoga. I mean, we believe we are all one. To Paris Hilton. That's hot. To reality dating shows. Can you accept this for us? Don't miss this week's On the Media from WNYC. Saturday afternoon at four on Radio Catskill. WJFF Radio Catskill, keeping you connected with national news, community interviews, and your favorite local shows. Funds for Bookworm are provided in part by Lannan Foundation.